0: We welcome you back to the Shark Club in downtown Vancouver. It's a little show called Everything Film, episode number 11. I'm Joe Leary, along with Patrick Shelton of Agency Click and Film Robot. And we're joined by funny man Daryl Lennox. Is that a politically correct term to refer to comics? As What, what, is, what is the correct terminology for what you do, Daryl?
1: Uh, I would never choose funny man, <laughs> but,
0: uh, comedian works, comedian uh, works, comedian works. Yeah, yeah.
1: Com- I would never say that here in the Sharp love meeting the lady, <laughs> I, I'm funny man, <laughs> Daryl Lennox. Well, <laughs> no. there's,
0: there's a lot to, there's a lot of layers to peel back with you, Daryl Lennox. And I mentioned that we had met before some years back when I was doing a, a sure. radio thing mm-hmm. down the dial. And, uh, my producer was a, a, a wannabe stand-up, So he would always book comedians on our show and as much as I may admire their work I was always fearful of them because I never knew what to expect from a comedian because sometimes you can be extremely dry up close when you're on stage you're hilarious so what 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 would you say how would you describe yourself
1: uh very human um but I've been doing it 30 years so I know the ins and outs to make sure people keep their jobs that sort of stuff uh (laughs) Uh, very human. Uh, observational, which is ironic based upon my life and what's happened in my life. Um, uh, pretty, yeah, philosophical. Philosophical storyteller. Observations in there. Yeah.
0: Well, you said of what's happened in your life, and we should tell people up front uh, your, your statuses of sight. What, what, what status are you? So,
1: interesting enough, if you don't mind a little bit of backstory, when I recorded Blind Ambition at the Vogue, which turned to a successful special and album, uh, I was, had a surgery here in Vancouver and it changed my life because I was already blind in my left eye. My right eye was deteriorating rapidly and I had these very immature thoughts about suicide if I went totally blind. So I had the surgery, it was fantastic. And so I had about 10 years of vision, best vision i ever had in my life. And then over the past two years it's deteriorated, so now I'm fully blind. And not only do I feel even more invigorated with, the lack of, with zero vision, uh, it made me feel like how afraid I was back then seemed silly and shallow, but now I feel incredibly empowered, learning different parts of myself and learning how to listen to other people. And so my comedy's taken a whole nother level. But uh, it's been a very interesting transition. I went total vision loss in, during the pandemic, which was scary uh, to say the least. And yet still I found some funny in that, if you can imagine that.
2: <laughs> do you actually go, do you um, actually use But being blind as a a main topic, and like talk about your experiences being blind as comedy.
1: Uh, Well, since it's only been totally visually blind since uh, totally blind since uh, last June, uh, and there were no comedy clubs open. uh, Okay, okay. Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't have the whole act about that, but I do have a lot of different life perspectives. Well, I always
2: say comedians do that; they make they're sometimes their best subject is making fun of themselves right so, yeah but so, you can't know. do
1: the whole thing like, yeah, yeah, okay true. we get it you <laughs> ate an orange and thought it was a banana you do that for all day but people get tired of it yeah so yeah. I think it's a perspective more than anything
0: it, it, it's I know it troubled you and you probably had some dark moments as you as you uh, made made reference to but um, I have a friend that was blind from birth mm. and um, he's got an interesting perspective on things because he knows everything, but he what, what's orange to him? He doesn't know what orange sure. is. So it's gotta be uh, quite a contrast because you know what everything is, but you no longer have the ability to see it. What, um, w- w- what was it like initially?
1: Um, I went to bed uh, and I checked the last text message and then I woke up and then it was gone. Uh, and so I was sort of prepared for it, uh, but still it was a little jarring. Uh, The only anxiety-ridden moments were getting around the house that I'm familiar with and stuff like that and then feeling, uh, okay, if something happens to my phone, how will I be able to get help? Um, Mm -hmm. But all that sort of stuff, you know, is easily correctable. The main thing is just stay calm because nothing really bad is going to happen to you. Uh, I did set myself on fire trying to fry a pork chop, which was dumb. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I, was, I took a blind cooking class, and so I have a gas range in my condo, and then I just let the heat uh, the grease get too hot. I dumped it in, and I thought I was 100% blind. Then I saw that flame, and I was like, well, there's no left. But, <laughs> but I burnt myself pretty good, but then I realized, just be smarter than that, so I have a grill now. But it's been very interesting, man. So,
0: so do you find that it's cathartic for you to sort of use your new experiences as part of your material? My whole
1: life has been that way. From a, being a comedian, my whole life, thirty-two years, and you know, growing up the way I grew up, or being a basketball player, or moving to Canada for the first time, the microphone has always been the way I expressed myself, uh, and that's so it was just a natural progression to talk about every aspect of my life.
0: That's amazing. I I still can't really re- sort of wrap my head around that. What you what you must experience, but obviously you take it in stride and again, that's the hand you've been dealt whether you like it or not. You're and I I do. guess you have to make the best of what you do. So what brought you to Canada initially?
1: Uh bad marital decisions. <laughs> um, <laughs> bad marital decisions and uh, you know, messed up pretty good with an ex-wife and uh, like most Americans uh when trouble's hot below, come up here and so uh <laughs> I got to come up here, and I really learned a whole different life about myself, which is interesting, because Canadians are very non-judgmental. At least they weren't very judgmental in 95. Mm -hmm. And so, I I mean, if you think your arrogance in L.A. works well in Vanderhoof, (laughs) uh, no. So you have to really be in the moment, talk about what's really going on in life, not just your life, to become successful in Canada. That really helped me a lot.
0: So much like young artists, recording artists, um, the early days working clubs and sometimes not getting paid properly or sometimes not getting paid at all, the same goes for comics. What, in the early days, what, what, what kept you on the path to, uh, to stage?
1: Uh, I believe the driving force behind me was because I was a pretty good college basketball player, so I always dreamt of playing, you know, in the big leagues, so I still felt I could find the big leads of what show uh, stand-up comedy was. So I had that kind of work ethic. Uh, so that's what kept me drawn. I've always believed in my dreams, which keeps me going now. I believe in my dreams. So no matter what happens, I'm going to try to get to those dreams.
0: Got a very loaded question for you because in cool. the times we live in, we've seen a lot of stuff go down uh, of late. And the political correct movement and that. What, what is off-limits in a comedy club? Anything? To who? To to a con- like, w- Are there areas that you can't, not you particularly, but a comic just can't go, you can't make jokes about this? And has it changed?
1: Yeah. Um, this might be unpopular, uh, but I don't think it's vastly different than it ever has been because if you think about back in the 50s and the 60s, Lenny Bruce was going to jail for saying stuff and George mm-hmm. Carlin was catching trouble and Lucy and Ricky had to sleep in different beds. Uh, and so there was always a thing where you had to be – really good at what you do, otherwise you'd get in trouble. And I think the same thing. You can be a great comic and know how to walk in some, some turbulent waters of a, of a subject, but if you're really good, then they'll believe you. But if you're bad, at, it sounds awful, and that's when you get in trouble.
0: Mm. And it's, it's interesting to note that uh, there's so many different styles out there, and again, I've always viewed a comic, if you can play clean, yeah you know, again i have no no objection to vulgar language sure. at all, but I think a lot of times it can be a crutch you used use it as a crutch or for shock value and I think a well placed word might might enlighten a bit rather than sort of d- deteriorate it
1: It's like cooking you know you can have you can have a a general three o six type taste palate and then uh and then you know people in the five one four might like a little pepper on theirs <laughs> uh and so it's a palette, right? And if you try, you know, you, everything works. You ever see a, com- a comedian from Quebec or Harlem or they end up playing 306 in Saskatchewan or somewhere, and they try to adapt vigorously towards that environment? It just doesn't work because it's not believable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so sometimes you have to be as authentic as you can with still some some, some awareness of what you're talking
0: about. You referred to uh, George Carlin and Lenny Bruce. Uh, who, yeah. uh, who did you idolize as a youngster? And... Um, and uh, still do to this day?
1: Uh, I was, I'm a real student of the game, so I studied everybody from Groucho all the way through. Whoever was fantastic and separated themselves from the pack, that's who I studied and learned from. Uh, it got, it's gotten harder because you know after 32 years, you've seen a lot. Um, and to be honest, art isn't as inspiring as it used to be because I think the, the advent of the YouTubes and the internet has diluted a lot of people's skill set, so you can get famous with less skill mm-hmm. right. um, and so nowadays you have to be really really good so whoever who's ever the best of the game now yeah. which is debatable they're there for a reason not just because they have popular trending things mm-hmm. you know it's mm-hmm. the skills. so chappelle's controversial but very smart how he does it you know burr all these guys are peers you know kathleen uh they're, they're all peers and so for me you know if you watch a great quarterback he, uh, Peyton Manning would never say that Tom is better than him. He'll go, all mm-hmm. right. Okay. <laughs> but I feel that way about those, uh, wow. those guys.
2: So 32 years. So 32 years. You know, um, a question that comes to mind for me would be, you must have seen a lot of up-and-comers went on the circuit. And sure. was there anybody that surprised you that just took off and went to that next level faster than you thought?
1: Here's a good local story. So I don't know if you guys were around in uh, – Late 90s, 1999, but the Urban Well was mm-hmm. fantastic on Cornwall and U. Yep, uh, yep. Fantastic. And so everybody came through there. Um, but uh, I pulled aside a little young Seth Rogen and gave it to him real good about how bad he was doing and trying to act immature, trying to act too mature. And it stuck with him. Uh, and he gives me credit for it. But he actually just had me read a part of his audio book, yearbook telling the story about how I ripped him in half at the uh, urban well Oh
2: wow! <laughs> yeah wow. and so
1: it was very cool and he's always been a friend and a fan and so that nobody saw that happening nobody saw that happening
2: well I can tell you right now that I was a big fan of the urban Well. I lived down there and I went yeah. to all those so I was there I saw oh, uh, I saw Robin Williams walk sure. in one night yeah. um and then the other guy from Saturday Night Live um, Kevin, Kevin Nealon Kevin walked Neelan. in
1: yeah yeah, And you was,
2: know, I'd be, I'd be, suppressed. I was probably there at the same time as you and they I had, and um, Brett Butt was always in Brent there, Butt he was, was always host. hosting most of the host. time, wasn't he? Yeah,
1: Yep, and I closed most of the shows, Zach Galifianakis was there, out there all the yes, time,
2: Yes, that's there was great. tons,
1: it was tons and tons and tons, it was a real crazy confluence of amazing talent yeah. back then, because X-Files was going on right then, and Annie DeFranco was here, and Buble was still working at Babalu's. Right. And so that's an amazing amount of talent that was came out of that place. The city was really incredible at that time, which is why I still love yeah, what it, is so it
2: you know, you know, um, what is it now? You know, what is it now? For people that are listening, it was just a little place down in Kitts, right across from the beach, and little, on, on what road yep, was it again? Little Lounge, Cornwall, it, and it you. Cornwall and U. It Cornwall and U, so it's right there.
1: Could not have sat more than 80 people. Yeah, you, what is
2: it now? I, what I sure. have no
1: idea. I think it's called oh, the, bl- the
0: Pink Martini or yeah, the Blue or Martini something or something oh, like that. they should bring that back. They, they should bring it, the comedy changed.
1: back there. It's changed. locations. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. it's been interesting. And I have a really special, special place in my heart for Vancouver. Clearly. In fact, uh, uh, well, this business venture I've been working on. Um, so when I, I did Conan in 2013, I did pretty well on it. And afterwards, his management pro- uh, company reached out to me and asked if I'd be interested in doing a sitcom. So I paired Conan's Production Company with Brent Butt here. Uh, and so I wanted to do a shooter sitcom based upon my life story and whatnot. Uh, so I'm sitting in a trailer and realizing what happens if the show doesn't work. And I came with this idea. I love the comedy club industry so much. And I thought, what better way to affect the comedy club industry by owning a bunch of comedy clubs? So I set my mind on the, I started a company. So I'm try, I've been trying to acquire the whole Yuck Yucks franchise. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to take that franchise and rebrand it, do a lot of cool things with the clubs and whatnot, and then expand in the US as well, because I think if you think about how much comedy has affected the world and whatnot, it all started in the clubs. Right, right. And so I want to bring an incredible club atmosphere back to the industry, and it's kind of, you know, well I won't have to be on the road all the time, but I still have a big impact on the industry. Yeah, and yeah. The my, thought,
2: my thought always with Yak Yak, yeah, because it's a great name and it's a great, like I thought it was good, but, in Vancouver, for some reason, they put them in the the weirdest locations. In my mind, like you yeah, know,
1: plaza. Nations. The plaza.
2: Nobody goes down. And that that's a whole story for another show. Sure, they wrecked that area. That could have yeah. been a great tourist area where people go. Sure. They don't even go down there. It's like a ghost town. Right. Every day of the week. And yeah. I mean, I I don't understand whatever happened to that area. Could have been a could have been a great mm-hmm. area. And then there's one up on. Um, there up, was, uh,
0: they moved from there to Burrard. Burrard in the Century Plaza. Right, up there,
2: Century that Plaza. Turned, yeah. That
1: turned into the comedy mix after the Yuck, Yuck yeah. was expired. Yeah. Now there's no clubs in Vancouver except for out in New Westminster. And really, who wants to head to <laughs> Columbia
2: <laughs> on New West?
1: No, it's a great club. It's a very, yeah, very great yeah. club. House yeah. of Commons.
2: Well, good luck with that. I'm,
1: I'm really trying my hardest, and that's yeah. why I'm staying here, and I'm really putting all my eggs in the basket uh, to help the industry and the game. and. and not look while I'm doing it.
0: <laughs> Comedian Daryl Lennox is our guest. Uh, years ago, a legendary entertainer named Mitzi Gaynor used to play the Cave Theater Club in Vancouver, the Supper yeah. Club, because her belief was that if it plays in Vancouver, wow. she, could, she could work with the act anywhere. Because uh-huh. I guess Vancouver was a relatively discriminating audience, and if it worked at the Cave in Vancouver, it worked everywhere. When you're doing a tour, mm-hmm. if, it, if, it, if it's funny in Hoboken, is it funny in Halifax?
1: No. No. Because again, Hoboken is where Frank Sinatra's from. It's right outside of the city. So, a complete different sensibilities. And Halifax, you know, Halifax is Halifax. You know, it smells the way it smells. The people are funny. Uh, and you got, uh, uh, a, it's just a different thing. So, if you don't really understand how that community is and what it's like, you just can't. Bring your Hoboken mm-hmm. over to Halifax. It just doesn't work. It's just different experiences.
0: So, when you're, when you're traveling from city to city, you're tailoring the act, you're tinkering with the act you, a bit?
1: You have to tinker. It's, rather than using a Joe DiMaggio reference, find a way to make it, you know, uh, Alex Parker or some hockey player analogy or something like that. Mm-hmm. So people understand it better and make it more relatable to them. The joke will still work, but it's the nuance. If you ignore the nuances, then you're ignoring the culture, and that's just bad comedy.
0: Well, as we sit here in mid October, um, the, the, the roads, I guess, is opening up again for, uh, for artists and venues to, to reopen and stuff. So, are you touring around? Are you going to be touring around anytime soon?
1: Um, I have to go to Calgary in a couple of weeks, uh, and then I have to go back down to Florida, where the other part of my company's at, and work some clubs there, work on business there. Uh, but for the album, uh, I will do a big tour. A big, big tour with that because they're going to turn the album into another comedy special. Uh, HBO, Knockwood, if the terms are, are great. Um, and so then that will be a big, big tour after that. And then after that, I'd like to start focusing on opening up all, as many clubs as I can and, and, and change the game that way.
0: Blind Ambition is the, uh, the tour. Daryl Lennox is the guest. Thank you so much, my friend. Cheers. Thank, Thank you. you.